Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying Podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there in the world are taking good care of yourselves and being safe during this pandemic. And I hope all of you out there are making good, smart, careful decisions. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, as we all know, one of the bigger stories in sports, more specifically in the NBA, is the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets situation where there's a story pretty much almost either every day or every other day that pertains to this situation, whether it be Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn coming to an impasse and or Kevin Durant monitoring the situation as far as what they're going to do with Kyrie or Kevin Durant feeling like his future's in the air because he doesn't know what Kyrie's going to do. And then... There's this story that came out a few days ago from Woj. If you guys don't know who Woj is, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, who's one of the who's one of the more big time credible NBA insiders outside of Stephen A. Smith and outside of others who cover the NBA as well. But when you when Woj puts out when Woj puts out a story, you know it's true and you know it's credible. This is a story from Bleacher Report. Joseph Zucker from Bleacher Report put this story out, but this is what Woj had to say about Kevin Durant not being as eager to recruit free agents to come to the Nets as far as as far as Kyrie Irving's drama and Kyrie Irving's future with the team. This is what Woj said. I'm going to tell you guys what Woj said, and then I'm going to ultimately and then I'm going to give you guys my ultimate opinion about this which I'm pretty sure you guys have heard already but I'm but I'm going to give you guys my opinion about this whole situation with KD and Kyrie and why I think what Woj had to say factors into what I've been saying now for the longest time but anyway here's what Woj had to say about K about Kevin Durant's eagerness to not really recruit free agents to come to Brooklyn quote this is what Woj said Quote, how far do the Nets push and leave themselves open to the organization's greatest vulnerability, a Kyrie Irving exit, resulting in Durant deciding the roster is no longer talented enough for championship contention? In previous off-seasons, rival agents and players would tell you of Durant's eagerness in talking to potential free agents. So far, that hasn't been the case with him, sources say. Outside of Irving, the Nets' most important free agent is is guard Patty Mills, who still hasn't decided on whether to exercise his $7.2 million player option. Around the Irving drama, the Nets' environment has made it harder to keep and court role players, sources say, end quote. Also, this is what the article says a little bit after what Woj said. It's not Durant's job to lure players to the Nets. That is partly true. That falls under the purview of general manager Sean Marks, which I, which I mentioned, by the way, a few months ago that privately, and this was just my opinion, I had no sourcing on this. I said privately that Brooklyn was, pri- Sean Marks and Steve Nash and their Nets front office, they were getting tired of Kyrie, Kyrie Irving's crap. They weren't going to say it publicly, but publicly, but privately, they were tired of it. They, they were really tired of it. But let me finish. Brooklyn doesn't 
have a lot of salary cap space to pursue major outside additions either. So overall, this is just my opinion on this. And you guys have heard me say this numerous times, but I'm going to continue to say it over and over and over again because I truly believe this is what's going to happen. And this is just simply me putting two and two together. First, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, if you put two and two together and you really think about this, Kevin Durant is not recruiting. He doesn't he's not ha- he doesn't have the eagerness to recruit free agents to come to Brooklyn. Why? Because ultimately down the line, he probably knows that he's eventually going to ask for a trade himself. And not only that, he probably knows that Kyrie is going to eventually leave. I've been saying for the longest time, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you out there probably have known this for the longest time, that Brooklyn was going to trade Kyrie Irving. I did not think this was going to last very long. I didn't, and I'm not surprised by this. So with Brooklyn getting tired of Kyrie's crap and eventually trading Kyrie Irving, which is a very strong possibility, I could be wrong on all of this, Brooklyn and Kyrie could come to an agreement. Everything could be peaches and keen, uh, peachy keen, and, and and just lovey dovey. And Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Brooklyn could all work it out, and they could all come back together again. And I could and I could look and I could look like an idiot and have egg on my face. But at the end of the day, I just don't see that happening with all these stories that are coming out now about Brooklyn and about Kyrie and about Kyrie eventually getting traded. And now and now the story of Kyrie having a 16 list of teams that he would prefer to get traded to. But with Kevin Durant, I think and I've been saying this for the longest time that I just don't think Kevin Durant is going to stay there if Kyrie leaves. I I just I don't see it, which is why Kevin Durant is not recruiting guys to come to Brooklyn. Why? Why would Kevin Durant recruit recruit free agents to come to Brooklyn knowing that he's probably more than likely not going to be there and he's going to more than likely ask for a trade? I've been saying this for the longest time now that I just don't think if Kyrie leaves, it's going to be a domino effect and Kevin Durant is leaving too. And 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 so that's that's one thing. The other thing is, if Kyrie were to get traded, let's just say Kyrie were to get traded, okay, whether it be to the Lakers or wherever, if Kyrie if Kyrie were to get traded, just like that that Bleacher Report article said, Brooklyn doesn't have enough cap space to bring in another max another big time free agent anyway. So if Kyrie leaves. Brooklyn won't Brooklyn won't have the the money won't have the the money to bring in a, to bring in another free agent which is going to probably further enhance and just push KD out the door even more. So ultimately ultimately at the end of the day again like I said before I could I could totally be wrong in this situation. Brooklyn and Ky- Brooklyn and Kyrie could come to an agreement and everything could be peachy keen, and Brooklyn and Kyrie could agree, could agree on an extension, and Katie and Kyrie end up staying together. But ultimately, with everything that has gone on with this entire situation, I just don't see any way Kyrie stays, and I don't see any way in the world that Kevin Durant stays if Kyrie leaves as well. I just, 
I just, I just, I just don't see it happening. But at the end of the day, we all will, we we all will witness this, and we and we all will see how this entire thing plays out at the end of the day. And that's just my thoughts on that. Next up, I want to talk about Rob Gronkowski. As we all know, tight end Rob Gronkowski, formerly of the New England Patriots, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, announced his retirement a few days ago. And this is what Rob Gronkowski had to say after he announced his retirement. This is what he had to say via Instagram. This is what he had to say. Quote, in college, I was asked to write about a dream opportunity that I wanted to pursue and where the location would be. Every time I had to write about my future, no matter what, I picked being a professional football player. For that assignment, though, we had to pick the location. So I wrote that I wanted to play in Tampa for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For many reasons, the sunny weather being number one. I completely forgot about writing this report until two years ago when I had the opportunity to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let me tell you, the journey in Tampa over the last two years has blown away what I originally wrote about in college big time. And for this, I want to and for this, I want to thank the whole entire first class Buccaneers organization for an amazing ride, trusting me to come back to play and help build a championship team. I will now be going back into into my retirement home, walking away from football again with my head held high, knowing I gave it everything I had, good or bad, every time I stepped out on the field. The friendships and relationships I have made will last forever, and I appreciate every single one of my teammates and coaches for giving everything they had as well. From retirement back to football and winning another championship, and now back to chilling out. Thank you to all Buccaneers fans, the crew. Without you, none of this is possible, and all all of you all of you brought it every every game. Thank you for all you do. Bottom line, here's my thoughts on Gronk retiring. Gronk is hands down one of the top five greatest tight ends of all time. You got Shannon Sharp, you got Tony Gonzalez, you got Ozzie Newsome, you got Rob Gronkowski, and if I had to pick a fifth, it's either for me, it's either Mark Bavaro or Antonio Gates. And when you watch Gronk, you will never see another tight end like Rob Gronkowski ever again. 6'7", 235, 240 pounds of just flat out, just destruction on the football field. And as we all know, we all know his injury history and things of that nature. And I'm pretty sure Gronk probably, Gronk probably had more metal in him than the damn Terminator. Because he was just, he was so beat up and he was just so injury prone that you could just like you you literally wondered at times is Gronk is Gronk going to retire at an early age but when he was able to stay on the field as long as he would be able as long as he would be capable of staying on the field if he didn't get hurt when he was on the field linebackers couldn't cover him linebackers with linebackers were too slow to keep up with him safeties weren't athletic enough to keep up with him and some corners were just too small to guard him and him and the late Aaron Hernandez were a just absolute nightmare to deal with. And we and like I said before, we will never ever see another tight end like Rob Gronkowski. Just I mean, he now I will admit, he wasn't the fastest, but his ability to just 
be just a, a nightmare matchup and just a nightmare problem for just for opposing teams' defenses is why Rob Gronkowski just you I mean we just will we just will never see another guy like him. And here are and I looked up his numbers and his numbers don't don't I mean literally if you look up his numbers and then you watch the way he plays, you'll see why he's one of the top five tight ends of all time. Here's Gronk. Here's Gronk's numbers. If you haven't if you haven't seen them, here's his numbers: six hundred and twenty-one career receptions, nine thousand two hundred and eighty-six career receiving yards, and ninety-two career receiving touchdowns. In an in in, in an eleven-year career, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, and He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That is no question about it. And also, he was one of the guys that during the Bill Belichick, Patriot, Patriot Tom Brady era, that you know how when, when you go to New England, you have to do things the Patriot way, this, that, and the third. And Gronk was just different. He still fell in line with the Patriot way, but at the same time, Gronk was going to be Gronk. And you could never, ever take that away from him because that was just who he was. Now, he obviously knew that he had to fall in line with the Patriot way, which is why he retired after the 2018 season because he got tired of the Patriot way, took a year off, then came back, and then the Patriots eventually traded him to Tampa. He felt like he got some relief from being away from the Patriots and fully being able to be himself, played with Tom Brady for two years and won a Super Bowl, and now he's retired. But with all of that being said, Rob Gronkowski, congratulations on retirement. You are one of the top five greatest tight ends of all time, period. No question about it. You deserve this retirement. Go ahead, rest yourself, rest your body, enjoy your life with enjoy your life with your family. Party it, party it up as much as you want to. You are Gronk. Have fun with it. Be safe. And just thank you. Thank you for allowing us to just witness how dominant you were for an 11 year, for an 11 period, uh, for an 11 year period of your career. Thank you, Gronk. We really, really appreciate it. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you guys my top five. NFL players that are under the most pressure for the 2022 season. And also, I'm going to tell you guys why Kyrie Irving's 16 list of teams that he prefers to get traded to is unrealistic and really doesn't make any sense. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Next up, I'm going to give you guys my top five NFL players that are under the most pressure for the 2022 NFL season. As we all know, in life or in sports, in life, you're kind of pressured into doing certain things in a timely fashion, whether it be a deadline with your job or whatever the case may be, or just you may be pressured into doing something in general that you probably don't want to do, but you kind of have to do and then with sports you have pressure with certain players who feel like they're under pressure to win a championship this year 
or within the next couple of years. And then you have a team that, okay, this team's loaded. Now they have the pressure to win a championship this year. It's a boom or bust or whatever the case may be. And if they don't win it this year, then it's a failed season. Or if they don't win a championship within the next couple of years, then putting this roster together was a failed experiment. Or or just with the front office, general manager with the front office. This, this general manager has the pressure of being able to put a roster together that puts that organization in a position to win a championship moving forward. So whether it be with your job in society or just in sports in general, as a player, as a coach, as a general, as, as, as a general manager, or as a team, there is pressure in life. It just ultimately comes down to how you're able to handle that pressure. So with that being said, here are my top five NFL players that are under the most pressure in 2022 so let's get started number five ryan Tannehill, quarterback of the tennessee titans why do i say ryan Tannehill? i say ryan Tannehill because we all know how ryan Tannehill's season ended he played like hot ass garbage against the Bengals in that afc divisional round playoff game and even still till this day i'm not the only one that thinks this there are a lot of people out there that think this how in the hell do you Lose a playoff game when your defense throws, when your defense sacks Joe Burrow nine times and you still lose. Oh, I know. Your quarterback throws three picks. So at the end of the day, and I said this, I said this after that game ended. I said it probably a few weeks after the season ended or maybe a, maybe a few days after the season ended that. Tennessee was going to be in the market for a quarterback, whether it be via the draft or via free agency. And what happened? They went into the draft, and they drafted Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Now, we all know that Ryan Tannehill knows that Malik Willis is the future of that franchise. That ain't nothing new. That that is nothing new to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Ryan Tannehill's not stupid. He knows that. But Ryan Tannehill is under pressure He's under more pressure than he thinks. And I, said, and I said this after the draft, that Ryan Tannehill's under more pressure than he thinks because of the simple fact that Tennessee drafted Malik Willis. Ryan Tannehill is under pressure this season because he cannot even have a two-game stretch where he struggles and he, and he, he throws two picks in a game or two and he gets sacked two or three times and he get or or he gets strip sacked he cannot have that two game stretch or that or that two or three game stretch where he plays poorly at all during the season he can't because the moment that that happens i'm not saying he has to be perfect but but he has to be pretty damn close so but the fact is this Ryan Tannehill cannot play any he cannot play poorly for any semi lengthy stretch during the season because if he does Mike Vrabel and GM John Robinson are going to possibly have to have, have to have that conversation of maybe it's time to start the kid maybe it's time to start Malik Willis and you know what and you know what Titans fans are going to do the moment Ryan Tannehill has that one game where he throws two picks and he gets strip sacked and he gets sacked three and he gets sacked three or four times, you know Tennessee Titans fans are going to be jumping down Ryan Tannehill's throat and they're going to be calling 
and calling and calling for Malik Willis to get on the field because that's what fans do. That's what fans do. The moment that veteran quarterback struggles and he has that two or three game stretch where he plays like crap, uh, the fans want the rookie to go in or the fans want that backup to go in. So Ryan Tannehill is, is, is at number five for my top five players being under the most pressure for the 2022 season. At number four, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Why do I say Aaron Rodgers? You guys are probably thinking, Jared, what the hell you thought? <laughs> like, why the hell you put Aaron Rodgers on this list? I put Aaron Rodgers on this list. We all know Aaron Rodgers is great. We all know Aaron Rodgers is a few, he's a future Hall of Famer, multiple-time MVP, Super Bowl champion. We get that. But Aaron Rodgers is, is under pressure this season because he has pressure on him to win his own damn division, the NFC North. Forget the fact of him being able to play well. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to struggle somewhat this season, but but that's not even the issue. The issue is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to be under pressure to win their own division because you have a team like the Minnesota Vikings, who if you look at both teams' rosters, they're almost damn near equal. I mean, literally, they're almost damn near equal. But I would give the slight advantage maybe to Minnesota because their offense is better than Green Bay's. But obviously, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So it's not so much the fact that that Aaron Rodgers is under pressure or anything of that nature. It's just Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are under pressure because of the simple fact that Green Bay needs to prove that they can still win the division, which, by the way, I don't think they're winning the NFC North this year. I I honestly don't. And not only that, Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers proved before Devontae Adams even, even got there that he was a really, really good quarterback, and that he and that that he could possibly be a future Hall of Famer. He's just enhanced that the last couple, the last few years, by winning multiple MVPs and putting up the numbers that he's put up. Aaron Rodgers has to go out and show people, once again, like he did before Devontae got there. He has to go out there and show once again that he's capable of putting up elite numbers without. A guy like a Devontae Adams. Now, yes, what now? Yes, was Devontae Adams under the development of the Green Bay Packers? Yes, absolutely. Yes, but at the end of the day, now Aaron Rodgers is in a position where he has to deal with a with with a bunch of perimeter weapons that have a couple of rookies on it, and that have a couple of injury prone veterans on it, and Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. So. The pressures on Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay to prove that they can win their own division in 2022. And there's and there's somewhat pressure on Aaron Rodgers to prove that he can take this receiving core that he has right now with Christian Watt with, with Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Amari Rodgers, Randall Cobb, and Sammy Watkins. It's up to Aaron Rodgers to prove that that I can be even better without Devontae Adams. Because I've proved it before, before we drafted Devontae. So, that's Aaron Rodgers at number four. Number three, as far as my top five players under the most pressure in 2022, my number three player, Tua Tagovailoa. It's just this simple with Tua. 
Tua has to prove that he is the guy for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins over the last couple of years with Brian Flores kind of took Tua's ability away to prove that he was the guy. But also that's on Tua because Tua struggled a lot. So now Tua's under pressure now in 2022 because the GM Chris Greer put a lot of weapons around Tua. Now it's up to Tua. There's no Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now it's simply up to Tua, Mike, McDa- Mike McDaniels, the new head coach. Now it's simply up to Tua to prove that he is the guy moving forward for the Miami Dolphins because of the amount of weapons that, that were put around him. Now the pressure's on Tua to prove that he is that guy moving forward in 2022. Tua at number three. Number two, Russell Wilson, quarterback of the Denver Broncos. I say Russell Wilson is at number two. Because of the simple fact of this, Matthew Stafford went to the Rams in his first year, won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady got to the Buccaneers first year, won a championship. Ain't no excuses for Russell Wilson now this year. You changed teams. You went to the you went to the Denver Broncos. This is you went to the Denver Broncos. This is your first year in Denver. Now the pressure is on Russell Wilson now to prove, just like Matthew Stafford and just like Tom Brady, that in your first year, you can go out and win a championship with your new team, with your new with your new set of perimeter weapons, and with your defense that you have in Denver. So I think this is a this is a I don't want to say it's a championship or bust year for the Broncos, but Russell Wilson and the and the Broncos have pressure on them to prove that this team is just as good as they are on paper. So, Russell Wilson at number two. And number one, Josh Allen. As we, all, as we all know, Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen has taken a leap every single year that he's been in the league. First year, struggled. Second year, started to progress. Third year, he's in the MVP conversation. Fourth year, got his team to the AFC Championship game. And now last year, played in one of the greatest playoff, or excuse me, this, just this past season, Josh Allen played in one of the greatest playoff games you will ever see with the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. And now, not only that, what did the Buffalo Bills do? They went out, signed Vaughn Miller. I think, this is just my opinion, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to end up being a Buffalo Bill, but that's just me. I could be wrong, and, and Odell could end up going back to Los Angeles, but that's just me. Josh Allen is now in a position where he's 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 in the conversation of potentially winning NFL MVP. I think he's going to win NFL MVP this year. And now it's just a simple fact for Josh Allen. It's just a simple fact of or question of can Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills get to the Super Bowl? Can Josh Allen not only win NFL MVP, but can he take on the responsibility of having the pressure of getting the Buffalo Bills to the Super Bowl? So Josh Allen and the Buff so Josh Allen now has the pressure on him to get Buffalo to the to get Buffalo to the Super Bowl this coming season. If he doesn't get Buffalo to the Super Bowl this coming season, it's not the end of the world. The world ain't ending. The NFL is is not going to explode or anything like that. Okay? I just think that now Josh Allen is in a position now where you're in the MVP conversation and now you're in a position where 
a lot of people around, you know, the NFL, a lot of people in the media are looking at you and thinking, you got a chance to win a championship. Now it's your turn to go out and prove it. The pressure's on. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, those are my top five NFL players under the under the most pressure for the 2022 season. Next up, I want to talk about Kyrie Irving. As we all know, Kyrie Irving put out a list of six teams that he would have preferred to get traded to. And if you really look at that list, the Knicks, the Heat, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Sixers, if you really look at that list, out of those six teams, four of them don't make sense and only two of them actually do make sense. The Dallas Mavericks do not make sense. Why? Because they need some guys on defense. If you bring Kyrie over to the over to the Dallas Mavericks, you pair him with Luka, that's more guy that that's another scorer on this team that can score but can't play no defense. So, Dallas, they need more they need more defensive pieces at this point than offensive pieces. So, Dallas could not make any sense. Next up, the Miami Heat. My Miami Heat does not make any sense for Kyrie as far as culture. And I say that because you put Kyrie Irving on the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler and the way Kyrie Irving has been acting the last couple of years, no. In my opinion, Kyrie Irving's individualism mixed with the Miami Heat culture, no, that doesn't fit. Kyrie Irving and the New York Knicks, I think in my opinion, Kyrie Irving and the New York Knicks doesn't really make sense neither because of the simple fact of New York is in a position now. Now, could Kyrie end up in New York? Yes, he could. But I just don't think it would make sense because New York last year was headed in was headed in was headed in a in a direction in a positive direction when they made the playoffs last year, even though they lost to the Atlanta Hawks in the first round. They were headed they were they were headed in the right direction after making the playoffs. Then this season just this past season they struggled. So I don't think New York wants to take on Kyrie's baggage. I don't think the Knicks want to take on his baggage with all of those young guys like Boston, like Boston did when they took on Kyrie when, when they had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and and Terry Rozier at that time. So the Knicks eh, don't really make any sense. Dallas, Miami, New York really don't make any sense. And the last team, in my opinion, that really doesn't make any sense is the Philadelphia 76ers. I say the Philadelphia 76ers really don't make sense because of the simple fact that they're probably Philadelphia is probably going to bring back James Harden on a short-term contract. So, but let's just say for example they don't bring back James Harden, okay? If they don't bring back James Harden, why would you bring in a guy in Kyrie Irving who had kind of the same baggage that James Harden had as far as giving up on two previous teams that he didn't want to be with, just like James Harden did with the Rockets and the Nets. Kyrie Irving did the same thing with the Cavaliers and the Celtics. Why would you want to bring in another guy who has the same line of baggage that James Harden had? It doesn't make any sense to me. So in my opinion, Kyrie going to Philadelphia makes no sense. And then not only that, Joel Embiid just got finished dealing with a guy in Ben Simmons who had a lot of baggage with him. So I just don't think Kyrie 
in Philadelphia makes sense. Now, here are the two teams that do make a lot of sense. First off, the Brooklyn, uh, first off, the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers make a lot of sense because of this simple fact. I think the Clippers need to trade Paul George, and I've been saying this for I've been saying this for the longest time. I don't now me personally, do I think the Clippers trade Paul George? No, they might ultimately end up keeping him, keeping uh, Paul George. But if they don't keep Paul George, I think a Paul George for Kyrie Irving trade makes a lot of sense. Kyrie to the Clippers, Paul George to the Nets, here's why it makes sense to a degree. It makes sense because Brooklyn needs some guys who can play defense. Paul George is a very, very good wing defender, and he can score. You put Paul George with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, that makes a lot of sense. You send Kyrie Irving over to the Clippers, you give Kawhi Leonard and you give the Clippers a more consistent scorer, and the Clippers now have another score that they can rely on on a consistent basis outside of Kawhi Leonard. So, the Clippers make sense. And then and then finally, obviously the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron and the reunion. You trade Anthony Davis to the Nets for Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn gets defense, uh get gets some defense back like they would with the Clippers with Paul George. Brooklyn gets some defense and some length and some size back with Anthony Davis. And the Lakers get Kyrie Irving, a much more consistent scorer and shooter that the Lakers need. So the Lakers and the Clippers are the ones that make that make the most sense. If I had to if I had to pick which one I think would actually happen, I think Kyrie Irving to the Clippers makes a lot of sense to me. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it makes a lot it makes a lot of sense to me. Kyrie Irving to the Lakers makes a lot of makes a lot of sense to me too, but those are the two team two teams that I think make a lot of sense: the Lakers and the Clippers, and then the other four teams, Sixers, Mavericks, Knicks, and Heat. They don't really make any sense for one reason or another. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is? It's time. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is? It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2007, why do I bring up the year 2007? Because that is the year that the late, great Kobe Bryant demanded a trade from the Los Angeles Lakers to the Chicago Bulls during the summer of 2007. And as we all know, from 2004 to 2007, after the Lakers lost in the NBA Finals to the Pistons, for that three-year stretch, the Lakers struggled. And Kobe Bryant just got tired of it. To the point where in 2007, he demanded a trade from the Lakers to the Chicago Bulls. Well, there was another player in the Western Conference that was all that almost ended up being a Los Angeles Laker. But because of Kobe asking to be traded from the Lakers to the Bulls, he didn't go through with the trade. And the player that I'm talking about in the Western Conference was Kevin Garnett. Here's what Kevin Garnett said in an interview years ago as it pertained to him almost ending up a Los Angeles Laker. This is what Kevin Garnett said. He said, quote, I was pretty close to going to L.A. to be honest. What what disturbed me about the whole Laker situation was Kobe and Phil at the time. 
they was pretty bad. The situation was something that I didn't want to get into. It was my choice. There was a lot going on and I didn't want to be a part of it. So in other words, had Kobe not demanded a trade in the summer of 2007, Kevin Garnett would have been traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves to the Los Angeles Lakers. Can you guys imagine if Kobe and KG were on the same squad? Think about that. What if, what if Kobe had never had his issues with the, had never had his issue with the Lakers in 2007? What if Kobe had never demanded that trade in 2007 and Kevin Garnett had went had went through with the trade of being traded from the Timberwolves to the Los Angeles Lakers. We would have gotten Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant on the same team. Now, here's the other question. If KG and Kobe had, had both ended up on the Lakers together in 07, where does that leave Pau Gasol? Where does Pau Gasol end up via trade? If Pau Gasol doesn't end up with the Lakers because KG ends up there, does Pau Gasol be the one? Or excuse, or excuse me, is Pau Gasol the one that ends up in Boston with Paul Pierce? And the question is this: If Kevin Garnett gets traded to the Lakers in 07, and he never ends up with the Celtics in, and he never ends up with the Celtics in 2008, what happens with Paul Pierce? Does Paul Pierce end up leaving Boston via free agency or does he demand a trade from the Celtics? What if, just just think about that, if KG ends up a Laker, Paul Gasol probably ends up a Celtic or if Paul Gasol doesn't end up a Celtic and the, and the Celtics don't get KG or they don't get Pau Gasol, Paul Pierce probably ends up leaving Boston via via wanting out via trade or free agency. What if KG and, and Kobe would have been a what if KG and Kobe would have been teammates for the Lakers? What if? That's why we will never know. And that's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at quietsoul24, Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L-24. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins, J-A-R-E-D, Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.